from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Station wagon, tigers flying, Katie's counting crows through the tears in her blue eyes, state lines and capitals go rushing. It's Friday, September 28, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our newly updated Orlando studio, our illustrious engineer on the ones and twos, my brother, Chandler Strang. Over there, also uh, hovering is our producer, Mark Jackson. Hello, world. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, And joining us from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everyone. And down the road from Tyler, right there in Nashville, Author, speaker, podcaster Annie F. Downs. Good morning, Jets. I'm so happy to see you. Hey, this is this is uh, this is uh, going to be a fun show. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who's coming up later. I'll tell okay. you that in a minute. But uh, I don't know. You guys can see on the Skype. I, this is an audio medium, but you guys can see on the cameras the the studio is evolving, and it's uh, we are in motion uh, with our plans to take this podcast to video, and it's very exciting because it's starting to happen. We uh, we got all the lighting in place. We're doing the camera installation, and over the next couple of weeks, you will start to see, you listeners, will start to see uh, uh, highlights and excerpts of the show on YouTube and on our site, and uh, three-minute, five-minute chunks that uh, are usable, and uh, we're going to start spreading those out, but the big (laughs) announcement is that we will also be working toward taking this show to live later this fall, late October is what we're targeting. And doing a live broadcast, a live video broadcast when we record it. There will be new elements to the show where you can interact with us. The listener of the week changes, question of the week changes. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun with the live format. And uh, you can watch the full show. Uh, We'll also be doing the highlight video highlights. And then obviously the audio show will remain as is. But Tuesdays and Fridays, you can be looking for us live. Um, Just act like you're working. You know, you're looking at your computer monitor. I mean, your boss doesn't know. You're just hanging out with your friends. Just hanging out with your friends. I'm here with y'all every week. Every listener will have to sign an NDA before they can actually download the episode. I mean, I feel like three to five minute clips with us not having to be edited feels like a real achievement. So can we start there? Yeah, we are. That's it. Crawl, walk, run. But what are we working towards? And towards is no editing at all. Let's just remove the safety net. Let's... uh, Let's be professionals yeah. here. Straight straight, <laughs> to, straight to tape. I have no problem with it. And I'm excited for people to hear that my unfiltered takes that the man doesn't make safe for the little ears, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm excited. My lawyers are very nervous about it. We're having a lot of meetings. They, I keep telling them it's fine. It's fine. I've got this. It'll be fine. I don't know this will be in place uh, when we go live immediately, but Tyler and I, Annie, Tyler and I are talking about uh, finding a place for a Nashville studio (gasps) that you guys can record and broadcast together from, possibly. And we don't want to give you a long commute. We're trying to keep it. What a special idea. Yeah. I love that. So we'll have an Orlando studio and a Nashville studio and then Jesse in his bedroom. 
So the, the Tyler and Andy <laughs> relevant country music hour. We'll bring yeah. in some oh, songwriters from around town to tell a little story. I just love no. I just love learning everything about this podcast and my plans and where I'm supposed to be live on the podcast. <laughs> I guess that happened at the 600. That, that's how we roll. And it looks like it looks like this is a very convenient time for us to to to, to inform you of these things, Andy. It's not like you you clearly have just moved. Uh, you're sitting in boxes. But next week, I think I guess we'll wait to kind of talk more about it next week. But but you have a big week yeah. next week on Tuesday. Yes, yes. The new book comes out next week. So oh, that's that's, yeah. it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. I, Annie, I am, uh, I don't know if it's you or your publisher, but five copies were sent to our office last week. And I have one in my bag for the trip I'm going on as soon as we're done oh my gosh. recording. I'm going to start to read it on the plane. I'm very that's excited. Fun. Yeah. Maybe after after you read it, and I'm ex- I texted Annie this weekend and said, I'm expecting one too. So Cameron, you and I will have to read it before Tuesday so we can talk to her about it uh, on the actual release date. And, and Annie, your job is to finish Cameron's dad's book and we'll talk about that as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, we'll just try. We'll <laughs> one is has significantly more Kirk Cameron than the other. So I'll let you, I'll let you guys figure that out. He is on the cover of your new book. That is the, that. That's what I'm trying to say. That was the spoiler. It's going to be me. The answer is my book has more Kirk. Remember, God has more Kirk Cameron than Steve Strang's book. I'm excited to read your book. I'm excited for your launch next week. We uh, we'll talk a lot about that uh, on that on that episode. Um, we we're launching some things here too this fall. Nothing as significant as Annie's new book, but uh, oh. next week uh, we'll be launching the new season of uh, the Love and Money podcast, and then this fall. Uh, I think the month after that, we'll be launching, I'm launching a podcast. Uh, we're calling it Unedited with Cameron Strang. And it's going to be the long wait. form uh, conversations that we've been taping over the last year with uh, a lot of world changers and amazing, interesting people. And we've been you know, sitting down for hour long conversations and we just recorded them and we thought, man, people need to hear this stuff. And not like in six minute chunks on the podcast. They need to hear the they need to hear when he cried, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're going to do a an, an, uh, new podcast unedited. Hear so. when you cried? We're going to hear you oh, cry. Oh, on every I, got cho- I get choked up every time. Oh, absolutely. I, I you ask do, these you guys do like, most weeks here too. I ask these guys all these vulnerable questions and, you know, you know, about their past and about their current being, you know, struggles and it's, they open up. It's crazy. You know, we're recording, right? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, I know, you know, I know. It's, that uh, happens on my show too, Cameron, where I'll be like, you you know other people are going to hear this. And I've only had one person call me back afterwards and say, hey, I realized that I probably wish I wouldn't have said some of that. So can we edit a little bit of that out? But it, it's and one you of say, the... And you say, you say, no way, Jose. That's not how I this said, works. I'm going to pull that clip and make it live. We're going to video it for three to five this minutes. Is con- this and is everybody's the content people it. crave. <laughs> that's right. But that's what happens when people sit down for an hour, Cameron, is that they you genuinely become friends with them and they trust you and they already trust you because they've already known you, but it's, I think it's really special. They they say, Hey, they say, Hey, this isn't recording. We're just, we're just talking off the record for a minute. Oh, sure. (laughs) Sure. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The whole room's bucked. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do the, the, the Pete Holmes thing where it's like, you're not going to get the thing where, you know, like, okay, now and record and here's your intro. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just like, you're going to hear the whole experience. You're going to hear us saying, hey, what's up and catching up. And then it's just going to be like if we're going to dinner and hanging out and we just happen to record it. That's kind of what the heart of the show is. We were talking yesterday, interestingly, with the name unedited, like that kind of sets a tone that we can't do what you just talked about, Annie. You know, like if somebody goes a little too far, we can't. Um, And two, like uh, I have a a conversation with Pete Holmes. I have a conversation with Father John Misty that'll be on the show. Uh, 
not exactly safe for the little ears at certain moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with that? You know, like I, I don't want an explicit rating on my podcast. Unedited, but- unbleeped, untamed. My thing is, I think maybe it'll be unedited, but that doesn't say unbeat. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. That's well, well, yeah. I mean, I you know, you guys are both fantastic interviewers. I I, I watched something this this uh, this uh, the last couple of days that made me appreciate like the difference between a great interview and like an awkward interview. Cameron, oh, so I know you were involved. You, you you got to experience some of the NBA Media Day earlier this week. And yeah, that's right. The Magic invited me out to Media Day, not as media, but just as as that crazy fan who yells, and they know that I like to hang out and <laughs> that do really stuff. Really has gotten you far, Cameron. Being a jerk to the other teams really no, no, has no, done no, no, no. Hey, Annie, Annie, you're, you're putting in the wrong context. It's it's being a, a, basically a sixth man. And try, because yeah. sports sports are mostly <laughs> mental. If you get in their heads, it's, it's all in the context of the game. It's not like if Cameron walked up I'm on the street it. on one of these guys, he would insult them in street clothes. Like, it's all, it's, it keeps on the court. It keeps on the court. It's all fair game. That's I keep not, it loose. I keep it light. I keep it fun. Yeah. I, I just razz the refs. I razz the other guys. But, but you know, d- d- try to give my team an Did advantage. you guys see the Kawhi Leonard interview from Media Day yesterday? No. What happened? I, I, I didn't watch any NBA media it. this week. What happened? Okay, so Kawhi Leonard, who was traded uh, to the Toronto Raptors after basically not playing, you know, saying that he, you know, there, there's been um, some people that have questioned the legitimacy of a season-ending injury, uh, but basically said he didn't want to play for San Antonio any, anymore, kind of forced the trade. A lot of people are curious about what his motivations are, um, if he wants to be like more in a more marketable market, um, you know, and he's trying to position himself as like one of these hallmark players because he's generally known as a pretty low key guy, though he's one of the best players in the league. He's not seen as someone who has like the personality of like uh, a LeBron or or a KD or something. He seems pretty low key. Um, He was at his Toronto press conference and like he that he was asked like what do you want people here in Toronto to know about you and he's like I'm a fun guy I'm not going to get into a whole spiel it's your job to ask me why I'm a fun guy and the guy's like oh. the guy's like um and then he goes Kawhi Leonard goes I don't even know where you're sitting and I and I saw Kawhi Leonard name trending on Twitter and I I was so curious of why and it was because people were fascinated by this exchange but particularly his laugh because it sounded like he realized he was not sounding like a fun marketable guy and then just went Ha, 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 and gave the weirdest robot <laughs> laugh ever. And I, I watched it probably a hundred times last, last night, but I want to make it my ringtone. The Kawhi Leonard laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Like it will remind me of like when I'm doing interviews, keep it genuine and don't make it as awkward as this poor guy made Kawhi Leonard fear, you know? And what would you like people to know about you? I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's oh, hilarious. No. And that exchange ends with Kawhi staring blankly and goes, ask a question. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, no. That's my fear. Like sitting oh, down man. with somebody. That's really funny. Oh. I, the, the role that you guys have a very hard job being journalists. I mean, you have to talk to people that may or may not want to be interviewed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like their publicist set it up. They aren't in the mood. They had a rough morning, whatever. 
me, I'm just for this podcast, I'm just going, these are people I'm friends with or I'm fascinated by, and I just want to have a conversation. You know what I mean? So it's like not gonna be awkward. But man, that is that's just tough. That's yeah. just tough. I I think we all have tricks of the trade though. That's brilliant. Yeah. Get people warmed Jesse, up. Yeah. Have you ever had you don't need to name names or anything, but have you ever had an interview that was just like, it's not gonna, this isn't this isn't working? Well, Hannibal Burris, he's told this one. I mean, yeah, well, well, that one because I, 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 I was, I asked him a question. I knew that he did not want sure, to be asked, sure, yeah. and that he, basically, oh, yeah. but, 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 like the thing is, like I can't not ask it, you know. Like in that case, like it was journalistic, you know. For no, the context was, you know, he. Yeah, he 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 was uh, essentially you know credited with uh you know kind of helping to reignite the outrage against Bill Cosby during a stand-up routine, but he kind of, you know, Hannibal Burst didn't want to be known for that. He he had kind of conflicted feelings about it, and it was just a known thing, don't ask him about this. But, you know, I I didn't do it to be a jerk, but at the same time, my role isn't to be his friend. You know what I mean? Like my mm-hmm. role in that context is to be a journalist and to ask someone a question that I feel like has important social implications and that our readers would expect me to ask. So I think there are plenty of times where, you know, in an interview, especially in the context of, you know, I'm not friends with a lot of these people and I don't plan on like the interview being like an impetus for a friendship, you you know, because a lot of the people that we talk to, it's like I have a duty to ask them something that may make them uncomfortable, but that's kind of the exchange here, you know. That's been my full experience here at Relevant. You just ask me questions that make me feel massively uncomfortable. Tyler, I mean, not to give away everything, but you know, last week on the uh, on Friday's podcast, we talked about the fact that uh, we were trying to land Mr. (laughs) Mark and Mark. Oh my god! Not the Funky Bunch, but but Mark Wahlberg. And uh, on Monday this week, Mr. Tyler Huckabee interviewed Mark Wahlberg, (laughs) and. Tell it. Was tell it awesome? I mean, your te- our text stream. I, 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 I don't want him to. Laughter, I'll say this, B. Tyler. Give, give uh, you can give them the funny part, but don't give them where it went because I feel like I want to save because this is going to be in, in a future issue. So don't yeah. give them too much about the the goods. I'm not gonna. Yeah, well, this will just be a teaser based on what we talked about last week about Mark Wahlberg's. You know, it's gone viral. His daily routine. He gets up at two thirty in the morning and prays for half an hour. We broke down his whole day. Thought of ways that. You know, maybe he doesn't have to get up at two thirty in the morning, but you know, he's 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 made his bed. This is his <laughs> you choice. You are really bothered uh, what was by the, the way he that by him getting up that early. You you want one conversation where you can tell him there's another way. <laughs> there's another way, Mark Wahlberg. Anyway, what did he say to you? Uh, you talked to him at one forty five in the afternoon. What was the opening exchange? Tyler? Wait, hold on, hold on. For for more context, he talked to him in the middle of the afternoon, which is very very close. It was creeping up on his bedtime because Mark Wahlberg is on the record at going to bed at seven fifteen. It was early afternoon, wow. and uh, we, we opened it. The opened the call, and I and I hear from the other end of the line, "Hello," <laughs> and, I look, and I'm like, "Hey, Mark, this is Tyler. How you doing?" I'm really tired. I've been up since two thirty. <laughs> 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 I couldn't believe it. Part of me and wants to like, believe he's an actor who just knows we all know. He gets up at two thirty, and he was just pretending. I wanted to scream. That was that. That's just the beginning of what it was—a roller coaster of an interview. Lots of great details to come on the rest of yeah, the conversation. Yeah, he, he 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 came alive at one point, but yeah, he, that's true. I, Things did perk up. They it just had to get him on the subject that he wanted talk to talk about. about. When y'all hung up, yeah. Tyler. How did he close the conversation? <laughs> 
that part. <laughs> then the last part was so we talked for we had we had like we had about twenty five minutes and started wrapping up. We're told to you know give him the call sign to start wrapping up, and so and so I was like, well, hey, Mark, this has been a really great conversation. Thanks, for, thanks, Tyler. Click. <laughs> hey, the man is regimented. His clock ticked. He's got to go into like cryogenics, right? I, think, I mean, I he cannot. Cry, I think he was late for his cryogenics. Yeah, yeah. We we know. I mean, he put his schedule is open on in the public. We knew that he he was five minutes late for a cryogenic recovery, That's followed right. by That's right. followed by his third two hour snack of the of the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and then time with his family. I was yeah. cutting into a 30-minute golf game. Probably down to a 25-minute golf game. You can't do much on a golf course in 25 minutes. Oh, man. And then he played golf at like 4 in the morning. It was like really early. It was before breakfast or something. It was He's really got to have an indoor course. And doesn't he live in Boston still? And he's very northern, so it probably gets too cold in the winter for that schedule to be true. I'll tell you this. All the questions you guys have right now are going to be answered. We yes. got into it. I I no so I do talented. have I I have like I always and I've told that I don't want to give too many secrets th- not that anyone cares it's not like these are like proprietary or something but I always I always start the same thing because they're usually it's people on the phone usually have very limited time and you you know that you don't really have time to get them warmed up on a personal level you know what I mean like right that's what I have to deal with with Tebow today tell me how what do you do. Oh, you didn't say this on the show, Annie. The later today for your podcast, uh, that sounds fun. You're interviewing Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. I get 15 minutes. Yeah. So tell me, Jesse, what's the secret? That's my the concern. Future, Mister. How F do you down. get Tim Tebow yeah. to cry? I, I always, <laughs> I always do the same thing. I always do the same thing, and it, it sounds like I'm doing it out of courtesy, but just I always say, "Hey, hey, thanks so much." You know, does now still work? Oh yeah, yeah, it should work. I'm like, oh, are you? Uh, where are you at right now? You know what I mean? Are you in LA? Are you in? So a lot of and and that always leads to well, I'm actually in the car going to this thing, or actually I'm I'm at my uh, manager's office and we're doing this. Oh, that's cool. You know, and then. And like either you have some point of relation, like you've been there or if they're like, oh, you know, I got to um, I'm on my way to my kids thing. And it's like, oh, you got kids. Tell me about that. You know what I mean? And it always like always humanizes them and disarms them right out of the gate. That's not going to work for Tebow. The kid question. And that was a way more serious answer than I thought for sure you were going to give me. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. This is right a now. pro. Hey, I'm telling you. Know, so well, it's it, I mean, it's we've true. all done. I mean, I, th- I was thinking the other day, it's been hundreds and hundreds of interviews. I mean, Tyler, you too. I'm sure you can't even count. But you just, I mean, the hard thing is like interviewing is really weird. Like, you, you know, yeah. you're, these are two people who have weird. never met that you're, and one is asking the other one like very deep questions that the other one's, you know, expected to answer. There's no other social construct where that happens. It's a very weird dynamic, you know. Could I, could I provide my take, Annie, real fast? As yeah, an, yeah, somebody yeah. else has had a lot of interview experience. I'd start yeah. similar to how Jesse does it. You know, what, what are you up to right now? They're like, oh, you know, I'm driving, you know, I'm driving to my to my office or something like that. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, if that car were to crash right now and you were to die, where do you and then you were to go to heaven? St. <laughs> Paul to say, why should I let you in? What would you tell? Again, as Cameron it mentioned, gets, that will not work into for Tim Tebow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, just go right in and give the people what they want because you just say, um, go as hot button as you can. Tebow, let's jump right in. I want to talk about your personal romantic life and the Kaepernick situation. Which one do you want to start with? Let's go. Let's hear it. Which one? Oh, you got a book coming out? I'll plug okay. that. Do your plug real quick. Do your plug, and then yeah, let's yeah, hit yeah, Kaepernick yeah. in your date. You know. 
Yeah. <laughs> Annie, unlike unlike us, you're on the receiving end of being interviewed a lot because you're a famous author, a best-selling author. And like I was when I was down a few weeks ago and we talked about being at that Christian radio conference thing, um, Shauna, our friend Shauna Nequist was there and she was being interviewed. And and uh I was with her, I was a fly on the wall when the guy who was interviewing her was kind of prepping with her before the segment, you know? And this is like a radio guy, you know? And it, the thing the thing that is so painful that I couldn't handle, like if I were you, Annie, like being interviewed is like, I only want to talk to people I'm actually interested in. I mean, with Relevant, we get to choose who we want to interview. We want to interview them because yeah. we're interested in them. A lot of these like radio stations and book tour things, like it's like publicists work it out and it's like, it's just foisted onto the host. He doesn't know anything about you or your book. He doesn't really care. And he's going to like, just ask you the same old plug and play four questions that the publicist gave him. Like, that's so painful to me. Like, and, and watching, you know, the guy kind of prep with Shauna and like, you could kind of tell he didn't really know who she was. And I'm like, it just wasn't going to be interesting. And, and you want to be like, dude, Shauna is a big deal, yeah, man. You're going to uh, talk yeah. to someone that is just amazing. You're, blow, you're blowing yeah. this chief. You're That's blowing what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I, how do you handle those like awkward, like clearly right away, you know, this guy doesn't know anything about me or care. Like, how do you handle yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel, you know, I know in question number one, if they've looked, if they know who I am at all. And, hmm. and, and so that determines it's like the path splits really early. <laughs> Either we're best friends yeah. or we're just going to get through and they don't care. They care way less than I care. And so I just have to care enough for both have, of us. Do you have any horror stories, Annie? Like any, like that, that was a, like you were the interviewee and you're like, that like, was, did it ever did get combative? Well. Like, it's almost like it annoyed you to the point that like he could tell you're annoyed and then he's annoyed. And then it just, it's almost no, like, cause I'm I don't better at be faking it than that. Oh, okay. yeah, they yeah. would never. They would never know. When I think Annie F. Downs, I think she's great at faking it. You know? Yeah, Annie, look and see how happy she is with us every week. I would have an irresistible. I would seriously have an irresistible temptation not to make up every single thing about my past and change mm. it every. Mm. I'd be like the Joker. You want to know how I got these scars? And everyone would be different. Like, so tell me where you grew up. Oh, it's a crazy story. I was actually born on a shipping freighter uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, the first three years of my life were out there. They were actually abducted by pirates for a brief time. Right. Every time. And and I would give. Different. I would give every interviewer the interviewer uh, the interview of their life yeah. with uh, you know, and and I would just lie every time just for yeah. Look, I'm helping you out and I'm helping me out. Yeah. You get a better interview and I'm way more interesting because my past isn't that yeah. exciting. Yeah. But let's just let's just realize with the exchange here and help each other out, you know, or else I mean, even, or else even. you're gonna get a Kawhi litter. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I'm for sure better. gonna do that. Y'all know my laugh's gonna this be on every better. interview I ever do. I, I mean, for me, even late night interviews are so painful i mean it's so completely yeah. really? completely pre-rehearsed the interview doesn't know anything about the i mean even if it's at fallon or whatever it's still light and fun and entertaining but it's just like so i don't know templated yeah. you know it, what i mean it, it's, it, it, it's they, pretty good colbert is I yeah colbert is the good, worst of but, all of them but, in terms of being like rehearsed it's like but, to be a good interviewer you need to listen you know you need yeah. to like yeah. it's almost like maybe you have like i know that there's a story or a point that we want to get to but like, you know, but, but being present and actually like talking to the person and not just having the next question on a card, like ready mm -hmm. to go, but actually like engaging, like, 
makes a big difference. You the, know? The, the one rule that I, in all seriousness, the, the rule, because it is the worst when they have like, you know, Fallon's like, so I heard something funny happened when you were going through security at the airport last week, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like that's the worst. But like, the, 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 this, in all seriousness, like, I've realized that great interviewer, great interviews aren't because of great questions or because of great follow up questions. Yeah. Like, oh, you, you good, know, Jesse. like it's always in the follow ups that you get good stuff. Like yeah. the question just to get the ball rolling. Like you don't know where the interview is going to go. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like if you, like Cameron said, if you try to direct it, it's going to come across like that. Asking good follow ups is where you get the good stuff. Oh, you I know? think it's just been the hardest part or the biggest thing that, that I feel like I've had to learn doing interviews is when, uh, is when to stick to the script that you have of like the questions that you came with and when to, uh, there's, there's more going on here. Let's, mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. leave the script and talk. Let about it this. be. Yeah. I, um, so you asked me my worst story from yeah. being interviewed. My I'm actual curious. worst story ever is from when I was interviewing, it was about oh. a year ago and it was a musician who was going to be on my podcast and he had been late to, and it was over Skype and he had yeah. been late. We, we don't want to call him out, but it was Carmen. No, no, no. You, you really don't <laughs> want me to call him out when I tell you what happened. And he was late and then had an inter like his publicist, I guess he was at his publicist's office and it stacked a bunch of us in a row and it was a short one, but I didn't know they were stacked in a row. And so, so we get through our like 20 minutes or whatever. And then he says, so sorry, I have to go. And I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks so much for being on the show. And he thought he had hung up and he hadn't. And he apologizes oh, to his assistant no. and says, so sorry. Oh, she's such a talker about me. Oh, no. And I Who was, was like, it? Who was it? We gotta know. You, I was not like, we were having a conversation. I mean, it hurt my feelings so much. Who was it? And it? I, I never know. put it out. Luke Bryant. Yeah, I know. Luke Cameron Bryant. Strang. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was we'll, not we'll, me we'll because I've never him, been interviewed we'll by call him M W. Smith. No, no, I want to say we'll call him Michael W. We'll call him Michael W. No, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. But. But I mean, that's, that's That's been my most, like, that's been the worst. And, and here's the other thing I know. I would always rather learn a lesson like that on the receiving end than the giving end. And so, cause he realized it had happened and I ran into him at a restaurant last week. And this has been, I mean, it was last year. I ran into him at a restaurant and it, and he's weird. You throw like a hot bowl of soup. Oh man, it's so, yeah, it's not. So that's my worst story is not hanging up on Skype and hearing someone talk mean about me and i didn't mean to be a talker i'm just a nanny me me and me and daz were at Lollapalooza a few uh weeks ago or whatever and like we were in the media tent like kind of game plan in the day and there was people from another publication like doing the same thing like you know doing their huddle and they're like okay what are you gonna ask okay where their band name come from (laughs) what you know what's the craziest thing on and i'm like these people like like you realize like okay there are a lot of ways to ask uninteresting questions that people have heard a thousand times you know like a lot of it is just like be interested and be present talk to them like a normal human not you know someone you're trying to you know get a couple pull quotes from you know for for me that's the thing for us like choosing who we're going to interview who we're going to cover it's like find the thing that is uniquely interesting about them or their story Mm -hmm. that we can tell that you know like maybe they haven't been asked by other publications what's that unique thing and 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 let's make sure that's what we talk about i mean and and if we don't have that unique thing that we actually are compelled by don't yeah book an interview with them you know i mean that's the fun 
for, for, for the podcast I'm doing, I've been kind of working on it for a long time, just, you know, thinking about what it is and the purpose and the tone. And, and I, you know, these guys have helped me like prep for some of the conversations. Like, you know, I I used to go into these conversations with like three or five questions that I knew I'd want to get to, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go down this tent pole. And then when it runs out, we'll kind of, I have another one to get to or whatever. But lately the ones I've been recording, like I, I, want to, I want to have this conversation because I'm interested in this person and I know why I'm interested in them. I don't need to prep for an interview. I just, I've had the mentality that we're like going to dinner. And so like, yeah. I just want to get in there and talk to them. Cameron, I can't wait to hear the show. I'm so excited. Yeah, I don't prep for going to dinner with the person. So like, but, and it's always engaging and natural and you know, whatever. And so it's like, well, let's just record that. And so I've stopped prepping. Like I don't have any questions when I go in there. Same, now. same. Just sit down and talk to them. They're people. Yeah. yeah. You know? And that and a lot of times those people find that refreshing because mm-hmm. like most people they talk those to people. And, and, those people, Jesse. <laughs> no, I said most. I said most people that they that they talk to in those yeah, under those, you know, circumstances, like a journalist talking to, you know, uh, an artist or something, the artist expects to be asked the uh, roughly the same questions. Maybe rephrase, but ask about the new album yeah. inspiration. Yeah. A lot of times when someone wants to just talk on a more human level, they open up more because they it's refreshing because it's not as they don't have to do the same interview one more time, you know? Right. Somebody somebody mentioned that I was talking to. I don't think we've actually gotten to, to publish this one yet. I hope we do at some point in the future, but I'll, I'll just brag on myself. We we had an interview with Albert Hammond Jr. of The Strokes and uh, and I grew I was a big Strokes fan. Yeah. And at the end of our conversation, he said, he's that's what he said. He said, can I just tell you how refreshing it is to actually have a conversation instead of just answer a list of questions? And it's not necessarily Tyler. easy to do, try to have a conversation with somebody who you don't know and you're over the phone and you only got 15 minutes to get through what you need to. But it when you see it on like late night TV or when you hear Terry Gross do it or something like that, you can tell a, a real difference. It, it's insightful. You learn a lot about not just the celebrity or the interesting person that they're talking to, but also a lot, a little bit about just kind of what it means to be a, a person. And hopefully their stories, like any good story, uh, opens up something that's fascinating about about you too. It makes you consider your own life. So it's, it's nice that we get the opportunity to do yeah, that. Yeah, and y'all are so yeah. professional, the two of you. And there's me and Cameron. When, when you guys, <laughs> yeah, when you guys hear like great conversationalists, great interviewers, Terry Gross, Ira Glass, uh, like, do, are you inspired by them? Do you like break down like why is this so good in your mind, or or is is it almost like intimidating? I do with Alec Baldwin's oh, yeah, every yeah, episode sure. of Alec Baldwin's. I yeah. do that. Alec Baldwin's uh, podcast is absolutely inspirational to me. Like yeah. it is. Yeah. He, what I found is the common thread with his is that he is genuinely friends with or curious about everybody he yeah. interviews. That's and right. So that's he's how engaged. I, my, I mean, that's how I built my show, Cameron, is yeah. I watched how Alec Baldwin did it. And I thought, I love that he is genuinely connected to every single person he talks to. And that's one of my like baseline rules for right. that sounds fun is I got to have some sort of connection or care. Yeah. Which is why you've never had me on. Uh, hey, you want? <laughs> are we about to have this conversation? What happened when we asked you to be on, Cameron? I said, thank you for the opportunity. Let me know when. And then nobody no. followed up. Oh, <laughs> no, you were like, I'm way too busy. We'll see what we can do. I said, I talk to Annie enough every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> serious, serious. <laughs> but we, I mean, and Jesse, we're scheduling with you too. Yeah. We're going to get everybody yeah, on you guys. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, I think we're talking to you. Hey, well, we have a great show coming up for you. Uh, coming up later, Elevation Worship joins us. They have a new great album releasing yeah. today. 
uh, you won't want to miss it. So we have a, a, a fascinating interview yeah. with them coming up later. I, I ask them where their band name comes from. Tell me about that. I do want to clarify that it's Elevation Worship because originally <laughs> when we were in the podcast planning meeting uh, last week, the rundown for this episode had essential worship on it. And I thought, I've never heard of essential worship. And so I, you know, because I made them about, up via typo. About, so I look them up on Spotify and <laughs> essential worship has had a total listenership, a total listen of 2000 times yeah. on Spotify. And I thought, Jesse, this is a very odd selection. They're not big enough to carry a show. And so we bumped it. And, uh, no, it turns out it's actually Clarified. elevation worship, Clarified. which is Clarified definitely big enough to carry a show. So, a it, essential worship. If you're listening, keep keep plugging away. Yeah, you keep know? going. Plugging essential away. worship. One of these <laughs> days, we'll ask you. Uh, Jesse's rooting for you. He's, he's pulling for you. <laughs> but moving the show along, it is time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for. In case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it, this week big week for Lauren Daigle. Uh, her new album topped Drake, Post Malone, and Ariana Grande in sales in its first week. Look Up Child debuted on the Billboard 200 at number three this week with 115,000 units sold. By comparison, Arcade Fire's Everything Now hit number one uh, when it released with 100,000 units sold. So given, you know, if it was a different week, she could have the number one spot. different week. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's I, well, so it's brutal. because of, yeah, what else is out? Well, I mean, so, yeah, she's behind the new Paul McCartney album and Eminem. Man, isn't that amazing, though? And y'all know the whole story that she, like, took a year off, even at the high, literally at one of... The height of her career before right now, she felt like she needed to rest and felt like the Lord kind of was saying to her, like, hey, take a year off. And her whole team was like, I mean, we trust you. And but that's we don't know. And and she did. Well, let me let me say this. I don't I, I actually recently uh, read a very uh fascinating and surprising interview about that time in her life that a lot of people can read in the upcoming issue of Relevant <laughs> <laughs> Magazine. Well, there you go. I just lived it. I was here. And so it was just, it's amazing to watch someone honor what they hear in their heart, what they hear from God and what they feel for their soul needs to happen. And then to come back and make such beautiful, I mean, that album, I can't quit it. So I'm just so dang proud of LD. Look up Chandler is still. <laughs> I can't. I, I think we ruined it for every podcast. I'm sure we I did. Cannot, if y'all didn't hear that episode where we were talking about, I think it was the Chili's episode. Yeah. Um, the very first one. Aren't they uh, all the Chili's episodes? We, we pontificated where People the name. People keep on tagging up. me in Lauren Daigle stuff on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Chandler, look I love Chandler. how we've ruined your life. It just yeah. makes me so happy. We, we, we said, I mean, for, yeah, if you didn't hear it, we, we, you know, we said it's it's plausible that this song was originally called Look Up Chandler. And it was based on experience when she was in the studio last year and Chandler was walking around playing Pokemon Go, carelessly bumping into her band equipment. So, I mean, we don't know that Chandler's not responsible for this great achievement. Uh, the song works with yeah. Look Up Chandler. Uh, it's the uh, best debut by a solo Christian female artist in nearly 20 years. It's amazing. Do we know? This is a quiz question. Yeah. Who was it? What was 20 years ago? I think it was Amy Grant. No, Amy Grant's oh. baby baby would have been in 30 years like ago. 30, that would have been like 25 years ago, at least. Well, in early 90s. Jesse, 92. get on that research, uh, bud. 92. So it have been 26 years ago. Okay. All right. so, well, but that could have been her. Could have been Amy Grant. It motion. more than 20 years ago. Isn't that what your your actual text says? It said says? in nearly 20 years is what it says. Nearly 20 years. Well, so uh, what was 19 years gonna, ago? Jackie, 29? Would it have been Jackie Velasquez? No, she ago? didn't get that high on she Billboard. She didn't get on Billboard, did Kathy she? Kathy Tricoli. I mean, Let's just start listing names. I mean, you've had... 
you've had uh, NF had a number one, Billboard number one. You've had Lecrae had a Billboard number one. Yeah, female, uh, female. Or, it's a yeah, female. Are so any I'm going of the back to female. women. Veggie no, tales. let's talk about it. Should we talk about it? Not doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. If you ask me. <laughs> Sandy Patty problem. I don't know. There are no strong women in Veggie Tales. Hey, in case you missed it. Oh, that's weird. No, there's female characters. No, none of them that are. I mean, there's like moms and. No, but there's, there's no the like little lead. asparagus daughter and stuff. There's got to be a there's, there's, a, there's a, a mom asparagus. Who else? Cameron, yeah. go. Well, yeah, the daughter is asparagus <laughs> and stuff. You're right. You're right. Not a not an the adult little, vegetable. But the little female. guy is junior. He's a he's a boy. He is a boy, but he has a mom. The mom and dad asparagus exist. We see them. Nobody has arms. It's there's just a lot of problems. <laughs> there's a lot of problems. Yeah. A, yeah. I think we're including I, I, I do, Yeah. Yeah, I've thought a lot about it, and yeah, there's a lot of plot holes when you really start. Do your kids like vegetables, Jesse? Well, no, I have this. I have a big problem with. There's a show, and no one's going to care, but there's a show called Bubble Guppies that my daughter always watches. Bubble Guppies is the worst as far as like logic. I I can't stand it. The the, the breathing thing. It's underwater. The the whole premise is there's these little mer people underwater, and but but they like ignore that all the time, and it rains under there. It does rain. It's like. Uh-huh. I'm like it's underwater. Like you, you, the, the the only premise of this show is that it takes place underwater, or like it, it's like day and night, or it'll have a snow episode. I'm like they they don't even care. They're they they know it's like it's just so lazy, you know, that they've just stopped trying. And I kind of appreciate about that because in the right the Bubble Guppies writer room, they're like, okay, what if they go to a water park in one episode? They're like, dude, that's under the ocean. How would that be possible? And they're just like. Now let's just do the water park thing. We've run out of stuff. I kind of appreciate it, you know. <laughs> uh, hey, in case in case you missed it, uh, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz has opened up a free food truck called "Wait for It Thy Kingdom Crumb." <laughs> no, I don't know if I if I hadn't seen uh, like an interview with him, I would have totally thought this was reverse engineered. Like it wasn't like, hey, I want to create a free food truck for the homeless. Uh, we need to think of a clever name. I want to think of it as Carson Wentz one night was lying asleep in bed and just popped up and went, the kingdom crumb. And he was like, it's too good of a name. <laughs> it, it's, too, it's like it's how I pictured speed Two cruise control came about like they didn't have a plot. Someone's like, Hey, you know, it'd be cool if we did a sequel to Speed and it was called Cruise Control and it was about terrorists that took control of a cruise ship. And they're like, it's too good, too good of a name. We have to make it. And that's what I feel like that Kingdom Crumb is. So he partnered with a local church to launch the food truck. It gives away food for free. Along with parking at all Eagles games, the food truck will also focus on going to areas in need around the community. Here's a clip of uh, Carson Wentz discussing the vision for Thy Kingdom Crumb. I mean, I think the biggest thing is sharing the love of Christ. You know, we're going to provide them food, um, and we, we believe that'll physically fill a need, but um, we want to fill a, a spiritual need along the way, and we'll just see with more donations and how much we can bring in to, to just provide, maybe a couple times a week, and, and Lord knows if this will, uh, you know, take off and be a multiple food truck type thing in multiple locations. We're, we're creating the blueprint as we go here, so it's pretty fun. Now oh, I feel bad. Don't, no, 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 sir. I won't let you. Do not feel bad. Thy kingdom crumb. Come on. I, I like that. So stupid. Amy, Amy, so you're suggesting boycotting it because of the pun. 
because of no, because no, 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 it's a no, role, no. basically it's a, a rolling Christian dad joke, and you want no part yeah, of it. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. I, I think it's a beautiful thing they're doing. I think that Carson went. I think that that is the dad joke of the year. I mean, that's so hardcore dad joke to me. But it's basically every Christian coffee shop. I mean, they all have names like that. Yeah, like that's right. Hebrews. How grounds, many Hebrews are there across grounds. the nation? Yeah. I can tell you because I've been in about all those churches yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah, holy grounds. Lots of Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hebrews and holy grounds. It's like the the Seinfeld reference where it's like, I don't want to go to those the uh, those back stores that have they always have some dumb name like Good Vertebrations or Back in Business. He's like, well, not this one. <laughs> This one's called this one's called the lumbar yard. <laughs> uh, hey, in case you missed it, Mumford and Sons is still alive. So uh, they happy. released a so very happy. spiritually themed new song this week. It's called Guiding Light, and it's the band's first song in two years. It's off an upcoming album called Delta. Uh, like some of their past songs, the lyrics seem to have a lot of faith references. Uh, at one point, Marcus Mumford sings, <laughs> "Well, I'm still in awe of you." Discover some new truth that was always wrapped around you. The question is, is it a capital Y or not? I don't know. Yes. Uh, and the chorus he sings, because even when there is no star in sight, you'll always be my only guiding light. Here is a clip. Don't just sit with folded hands and become blind. Because even when there is no star in sight, yeah, that's definitely talking about Jesus. I couldn't tell if it was talking about like a girl he was yeah. in love with, you know, but no, I think <laughs> uh, it's... Theater of the Minds, Tyler Huckabee has fallen asleep four times since we started talking about this, which is so rude because Muffin and Sons is my favorite uh, band. Sorry. I've been up since 2.30 in this morning. I'm trying this new thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Muffin and Sons is your nap. Yeah, talking to Mark Wahlberg really got him. It, it changed was a real, his life. In a way, I feel like he's the one who interviewed me. I would have changed. Yeah, he started to Tyler. He said, is, is, "Is this is it leg day for you, or is this you know, kind of a back and shoulders <laughs> day?" You know, Delta uh, the album Delta releases in November. Wait, are you, the rest of y'all? What do you think? Are you excited about it? I'm thrilled. Uh, if it was 2011, I would be. But. Ooh. Tough crowd. Yeah, I mean, all I mean, three of you, tough crowd. I'm never gonna. No, I'm, I'm never gonna hate on something. I'm, I'm glad that people, a lot of people are excited about it. I'm glad that people are excited well, about when it. When the ticket I'm concert, like the things. concert tickets go on sale, I want all of you to try to buy them, and I will buy them back from you and go to all the shows. Are they coming here? Are they I coming hope so. Nashville? They haven't announced it yet, but don't you know oh, I pre-ordered okay. that album so I can get pre-sales on the tickets? It would shock me if they didn't have a red residency in Nashville. <laughs> right? <laughs> they just played Nashville every night for a year and like went in from barn pub. wedding. Yeah, they went to barn wedding to barn wedding to do receptions <laughs> like all around town. They bring their own hang lights and you know <laughs> mason, mason jars for, for fancy cocktails. <laughs> give out give out suspenders uh, non-ironic suspenders and take people's socks at the door that's that's their <laughs> Jesse I love this life you've built that you, exists you, in you dress like a you dress like a butcher from the gangs of New York at a wedding it's like she's so little class mother and sons I wondered I honestly I wonder if two years was enough of a break you know because it was like oversaturation yeah. Yeah. and they launched you know a, a, a trend obviously I mean the Lumineers followed that sound uh, there's some Christian worship band uh, that followed Monsters that and sound. Men. like there are a lot Monsters of those they, they, yeah. they, they defined a brief but really influential moment in, or 20, but, but I mean their last album they kind of went electric 
Yeah, yeah that's true. They, they, they tried to get the banjo, fiery. which made me yeah. sad. Winston if you take away the banjo jangle gimmick thing at the core, it's like Arcade Fire or U2 where it's like anthemic courses. You yeah. know, it's it's like right. build up, build up, build up. And then you're singing at the top of your lungs. It's I mean, it's not a bad song structure. It's just musically kind of like a narrow window of time where it was trendy. So it's like if they can evolve, they're good songwriters and they have substantive content. Yeah. It's just a matter of. It'll be interesting to see what Delta sounds like sonically. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Lucky for them, I don't need them to evolve. I just want them to keep doing what they've always done well. So they've got 25% support yeah, in this Yeah, they get a, a kick drum, some gang vocals where they all yell, hey, occasionally. And, uh, you know, <laughs> look like you. They hey, was the Lumineers, by on. the way. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Come on, Jesse. Yes. Um, in case you missed it, this week, John Hamm. Uh, had some powerful thoughts about the stigma surrounding mental health issues. The actor was recently a guest on In Depth with Graham Bensinger and opened up about losing both of his parents at a young age. He said he tried to deal with the depression that followed by himself being a tough Midwesterner, but eventually his sister convinced him to see a therapist who helped him with his mental health and put him on a medication that changed his life. Here's a clip of John Hamm talking about why it's okay to be open about mental health. Seeing the, the therapist at that time was profoundly helpful because it, is, it does what it does. It gives you another perspective on something that you can't quite figure out. And she was able to really kind of, uh, again, reorient my, my kind of way of thinking. And she put me on a medication that, was, that changed my brain chemistry enough to where, okay, I'm, I'm feeling a little better. I can, I, I can get up and go to work. I can get up and go to school. I can do my work on time. I can... I can, uh, I can self-motivate again. I mean, sometimes that's what you need. And it's like, it's, it's got the most interesting stigma, but you know, people think if you break your ankle, uh, you're not expected to just walk it off. Right. But if your brain chemistry is somehow a little, a little tweaked, you're somehow expected to just deal with it. It's like, well, but there's a medicine that fixes it. There you go. That's great. Good on him. Yeah, especially someone who has like the kind of I feel like John Hamm has sort of a persona as like this like hyper masculine, you know, super, you know, together. He's really tough associated guy. with Don. He's, yeah. Yeah. And he's even suggested he wants to play like Batman, like another kind of like dark sort of anti-hero, but essentially a, a similar persona. But to hear someone like him talk about vulnerability and mental health, I think is, is really refreshing and surprising in a really good way. It's interesting. A lot of his more memorable roles, I mean, are characters that could have definitely used some therapy at a younger (laughs) age. I think Don could have used a counselor. Don Draper. I mean, think about all, yeah, all the holes he's trying to fill. Think about, uh, the guy on Bridesmaids, you know, the, the, the jerk. The guy he was played so there. funny yeah. in Bridesmaids. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he gets Batman, I mean, that's interesting that he's drawn to those characters that have kind of like, you know, serious, uh, uh, emotional, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh deficiencies. The person, but the best person to play somebody like Don Draper is somebody who understood that John is not a, that Don Draper is not a, uh, he's not somebody to aspire to, which is right. the mistake he's a lot of guys made yeah. watching those first couple seasons of Don. Uh, but, yeah. but you need somebody who can be better than that. Well, also at the first couple of seasons, wasn't he a little more, he was like, middle of the road just a little south and then as it kept going yeah 
He just went more south, they right? They kind of showed him pre-deconstruction before yeah. while he could still keep the artifice yeah, of Yeah, because I remember my friends, my guy friends, thinking he was so cool. And so, like like you said, the guy they kind of want to be like. And then the, it, that stopped being what they said. They pulled the rug out from all, from all of yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, eventually stuff catches up to you, too. I mean, that's sort right. of, I mean, that's one of the themes of the show. You know what I mean? If you build your life on lies, it'll eventually come out. I wondered if the show they set out to create really was about the early 60s, you know, advertising scene and and kind of how like, you know, we've seen movies, you know, about like the the era of 70s rock and whatever. And I wondered if it was just trying to capture that moment in time. And then they realized that there was a lot more depth and nuance to these characters. And they started, I, I just wondered if they went into the show thinking about the arc that it ultimately took or if they, or if it happened, you know, organically. Because yeah. it, it turned into a very different show. You know, like people who loved the first couple seasons, a lot of them couldn't handle the last few seasons. You know what I mean? I, it was it was dark. It, it, well, and the other thing, too, is like how much of a cultural metaphor was it? To, because it started, you know, in a time when consumerism and consumption was made to be glamorous. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one was looking at the dark side of it. And, right. you, you know, and, and what a culture built on the message of your life won't be complete unless you have this. Like that was Don Dreyfus' entire job. It was to come up with right. that messaging and like his life really paralleled in a way how we think about consumerism. It, like it, it'll sneak in and it's insidious and eventually the bottom will fall out either because you're too in debt or you realize you built your life on something that's, you know, totally artificial, you know? But I do think the the bulk of the American mainstream culture kind of missed the boat on that. Because you remember there was that big Banana Republic campaign yeah. about the Mad Men fashion. I think Don Draper can be largely credited with bringing old fashions back as a popular cocktail really? option. And these things are I, these things are, are really stripped away and reveal that that like the that these things are just uh, shields that Don's holding up to protect himself from the truth. About uh, about how bad his life is, and I think that once it started pivoting, like you said, Cameron, to focusing on that, a lot of people were like, "Well, I was really just here for like the the sex part of the, the show." When the inside look, that, at, I, yeah. I don't know, I don't because that's the that's the uncomfortable part. It's the part. It's the part after the story of Samson when it stops being about a cool, strong guy in the Bible and starts being about a guy who uh, who also built his life on lies. Yeah, I, I actually had it was a, a parallel. Uh, I remember when the when the series shifted toward you know divorce and his life started to really fall apart was when I was going through a divorce. It was like really like it was it was just mm. hard oh, yeah. Yeah. to watch. You know what I mean? It was just like things that you were chasing the wrong things. You know, Don and like it was it was powerful toward the end. But yeah, anyway. Y'all are all coming in very hot with your wisdom today. Well done, gents. I'm just real impressed. Keep it up. Oh, you. You're yeah. right here. You're rolling right here. No, you're just, leading the way. I'm, yeah. really, I'm really impressed. Y'all aren't being She's like the asparagus <laughs> mom on the podcast. You know what I mean? She's mentoring and guiding the rest of the asparaguses. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm the mom asparagus. <laughs> hey, uh, lastly, in case you missed it this week, Chris Pratt says that Hollywood isn't, drum roll please, anti-Christian. He recently sat down with the AP and when asked about why he talks about his faith so often, he explained that kind of a message might not be for everybody, but there's a group of people for whom that message is designed. Nothing fills my soul more than to think that maybe some kid watching that would say, hey, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about praying. Let me try that out. That's like the only way I feel I can uh, repay what has essentially been 
a giant gift in my life. He also disputed the claim that Hollywood is against Christianity. Here's a clip. Some people will accuse, I think, Hollywood of being very far left and being very progressive and, and thus like r- resistant to any type of religious ideas. But it seems they're kind of open to anything, including religious ideas. You know what I mean? So like, I've never had anyone in Hollywood say, hey, stop saying that. And I think that there's this narrative that exists out there that Hollywood is anti-Christian or anti-religious, but it's, it's just not the case. They're kind of not anti-anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kind of pro whatever's authentic to you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like that because oh, for me, it's authentic for me to be pro-Christian, pro-Jesus. That, that's my thing. Hollywood is literally pro-selling tickets, pro-selling yeah, advertising. Yeah. That's all Chris it is. Pratt, if you make them money, then they'll let you do whatever. They, you, but do whatever you want. Listen. What's so funny is like when we posted this, uh, you know, uh, a portion of this on uh, on the site. If, be sure to check it out and get great content every day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, a little plug. Uh, a little plug, but uh, people were like, I, I was surprised at like the vitriol of the feedback. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, oh, he's what? he's perpetuating our, a lot. A reader in like, Des Moines yeah, has an inside scoop that Chris Pratt doesn't <laughs> yeah, know what he's talking I'm like, about. Hey, random dude in Ohio who you know is, is like, I'm sure you know more than the arguably the the biggest male star in Hollywood right now. Maybe about behind that. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, aside I mean, this from is, this has come up in, with a couple actors that I've talked to in Hollywood, and we and I did talk about it with Mark Wahlberg yesterday, and it's consistently the same thing, like that that there is they do not feel like their religious beliefs are like they don't nobody cares as long as you go out there and you make the movies that that pull in money. I mean, if they're going to let you be a Scientologist, they definitely don't care if you're going to be a Christian. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's interesting. All right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Elevation Worship joins us. Not essential worship. <laughs> keep it up essential. Essential oils and up. Elevation keep Worship. Essential, essential oil worship. It's essential. This, is, this <laughs> isn't a Christian thing. I mean, these are people who worship essential oils. It's very... Elevation <laughs> oils. Very concerning. The new brand coming from Stephen Furtick. <laughs> Anointed with the Elevation Oils. <laughs> Anointed Elevation Oils. Too young and sick. That's funny. The song is Sleepyhead. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Andrew McMahon in the wilderness with Ohio. Well, this week's show is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries, a healthcare sharing ministry with over a quarter of a million Christians caring for one another's needs from broken bones to cancer, pregnancies to organ transplants, all without the use of insurance. Samaritan Ministries member Darren knows what it's like to have a full schedule, running his own business, traveling a lot for work, and navigating a household of six keeps him pretty busy. That's why Darren chose Samaritan Ministries as his family's healthcare option. He's able to travel anywhere knowing there's no networks and he can access the care he needs when he needs it. On top of that, his monthly share for his large family is only $495, leaving funds to put towards his business. He says that the best part about it, though, is knowing his money is going directly to another member in, in need, 
rather than lining the pockets of a corporation. Uh, this is healthcare for your real life. Annie, you're a member, right? I am a member. I love it. It's been great. I, I like that every month you see exactly who your money's going to and what their need is. And I think it's pretty cool. To learn more about how you can be part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit SamaritanMinistries.org slash relevant. There you go. Well, on their brand new album, Hallelujah Here Below, Elevation Worship, the worship collective from Charlotte's Elevation Church, Pastor Stephen Furtick, uh, offers a collection of deeply intimate, prayer-oriented ballads along with powerful anthems. We recently spoke with them about the inspiration for some of the album's standout tracks. Here is our conversation with Elevation Worship. Worship genre is having uh, what can kind of be described as a, a crossover moment right now. You have Lauren Daigle appearing alongside Eminem and Drake and Paul McCartney on the mainstream charts. And you have uh, mainstream artists like Tori Kelly who are putting out worship albums or worship adjacent albums. So I'm wondering, as a worship group... How do you how do you kind of prescribe this moment? Why do you think this crossover uh, sort of period is happening right now? I I don't know altogether, but I think that what people are kind of growing tired of is like any pretension in maybe lyric writing or in in their songs. And I think so- songs that are just becoming more honest are or what people are connecting with, you know, whether it's like a, you know, the, the commentary on where we are as a culture where like we so, you know, spend so much of our days existing in an alternate reality, you know, on our phones and in social world. And we're, we're throwing up not real versions of ourselves or we're looking at other people that, you know, with uh, versions of themselves that aren't actually reflective of reality. I think that a lot of lyric writing that is just being vulnerable and being raw and expressing maybe struggles or realities of, of life or hardships or trouble like that is a that's ultimately where i think genre aside is what people are connecting with and, and are wanting and how we're tired of kind of seeing through or, or or having to just maybe look at anything that's potentially feels like just another plastic thing um, to us. And so I, uh, I love all the artists you, you mentioned and seeing uh, what they're doing in, you know, crossing genres, so to speak. But I, I do think it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to, to just see it. And I think it's like it, it, they're coming from an authentic expression of who they are, you know? Yeah, you, you, you make a smart point because the, the Lauren Daigle album is really personal and is really honest about a lot of the places she had doubt and the places she was struggling and it's kind of less the sort of like I don't know maybe like cliched syrupy like everything is going to be fine (laughs) worship and it's kind of having this honest dialogue with 
Jesus. And we're, and we're seeing something, you know, similar going on with like the project Andy Minio is putting together this sort of sort of four part series chronicling like his crisis of faith. Um, and I, I feel like, I, I feel like you're absolutely right that it's kind of meeting people in, in a different place, but that's where the people are. And that's important. Uh, I wonder how that manifests in the new music. Is there a particular song or moment on this new album that y'all would point to as, as sort of particularly representative of, of all these kind of like personal elements we're talking about? One that, one that jumps out would be a song called here again. It's a very vulnerable song and uh, it comes from a really personal, it was written from a very personal place, a place that, honestly had a lot of uh, loneliness attached to it and questioning attached to it. But I think the Bible story that uh, we chose to kind of center the song around is Genesis 28. So like you've got Jacob in the Old Testament being this like swindler, right? Like he's a hustler. He's not like a good dude, (laughs) but it's interesting. You know, we always grow up in church hearing God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's like, Jacob was actually a terrible person. Um, but in Genesis 28, he has this, in, this encounter with God and he has this dream where he sees the, you know, the ladder going to heaven. And he has this revelation that, uh, you know, wakes up and says, surely the presence of the Lord was here and I wasn't even aware of it. You know, we, we chose to center this song called Here Again around around that story because it's a it's a song that the chorus says, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? All I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? And it's very desperate prayer, like, and a one realization. I can't really take another step forward. I'm tired. I'm lonely. I'm desperate. And unless you show up, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, to make it. But the as the song continues on, it has this same revelation that, you know, uh, that, that Jacob does it. God is not only found inside the church walls, and he's not only found in a spiritual, you know, regulated to one place. The, the revelation that Jacob had was like, I thought you were this way, God, and I just realized that you're here now, even in my hustling, even in my mess, even in the the, the lying that I've been doing, even in, you know, the dysfunction that I carry, I just had this revelation that, like, you meet me here. And I think, like, that's the progression of our faith journey is that we, we start and we meet God maybe at some point in our lives and we have the revelation, like, wow, God, I'm, I met God, you know, there. Maybe in the, I met God at this, you know, youth night. And then you, you progress in, on the journey and then you come in the revelation of, like, well, well, I'm actually a carrier of, of God's presence. Like I'm God, God is here with me day and night. And I think, you know, what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to progress in the next step of my journey is then also seeing God everywhere, right? Like seeing him in conversations with others and not just being aware that he's with me, but actually being more aware that he's in the person I just passed on the street and he's in this really, really messed up situation that someone is finding themselves in, God's there too. Like if he's not, then I actually don't believe that he's the God who I you know, proclaim that he is.
that's cool, and I and I think it sort of relates well to sort of the the thesis statement that you guys are illustrating as a whole on the record. Uh, this idea that you know approaching being comfortable in approaching worship from a broken place that the altar is made out of all these sort of like jumbled cracked broken stones but there's still so much value and validity in worshiping the father from that place and and I and I wanted to ask about um sort of the the title track in that sense hallelujah here below how does why uh, select that as sort of the the song that would lead the album and sort of be the thesis of the whole project. You know that 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 old hymn, the doxology. It says, "Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below." And so um, the the actual line and, and title came from from that second line of the doxology. You know, "Praise Him, all creatures here below." I think the the idea behind um, the message of the album and the idea behind that is that God doesn't need our worship, right? Like he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't need us to bring him something. He's got perfect worship happening in heaven um, all the time. And uh, he's, he's certainly taken care of up there with enough worship of himself. But uh, scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people. And so I think this, and, there, and then, yeah, there's a command in, um, in Scripture that we would, as His creation, would bring something. And so this meeting that takes place when we, when we bring our worship to God, that He would actually show up and, 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 and meet with us too. And he would, he would choose to do so even in our, you know, going back to, to the Jacob thing, even in our mess and even in our lonely situations or even in our dysfunction. He would actually show up, and um, and so it's this meeting of heaven and earth, and our response, you know, in the midst of that, and uh, and so I, I I love I love that song. It's a it's a hymn, um, you know, so to speak, on on the album, but uh, but I, I do love the the message that it that it carries. It we can offer, you know, Leonard Cohen has that song, obviously that uh, everyone's familiar with, called Hallelujah, and he has that line in there, a broken Hallelujah. And I love that we get to offer a broken hallelujah. It doesn't have to be a perfect hallelujah. It doesn't have to be a cleaned up version of a hallelujah or whatever. But we bring our honest honesty, and um, we 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 bring him and we bring it to him, and um, and he meets us there, and he's pleased in that offering. You know, like he's um, he's pleased with who we are. He knows us inside and out. So when we bring that in, in honesty then that's bringing the best of who we are and what the, what we have to bring. was Elevation Worship. Make sure to check out their new album, Hallelujah, Here Below. It releases today. 
And what you won't hear of my first question, how did you guys come up with the name Essential Worship? <laughs> <laughs> Essential Worship. That was your lead-in. We just edited it out so that the friendship seems real natural. It went, it went a little south. It got awkward. Thankfully, they're gracious people. So. Hallelujah Here Below is Elevation Worship's newest album, and it's available now. In the Old Testament, God requests an altar to be built of imperfect stones. As living stones, He asks us to bring Him our rough edges and our broken pieces. That's what Hallelujah Here Below is all about. Worshiping God from wherever you are and knowing that He'll meet you there. You can find the album wherever music is available. And for more information on Elevation Worship, visit their website at elevationworship.com. To Khalid. The song is better. Well, this week's episode is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. There are job sites that send you tons of the wrong resumes to sort through or make you wait for the right candidates to apply for your job, and that's not smart. You know what is smart? Going to ziprecruiter.com slash relevant to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifying people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes, no more waiting for the right candidates to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., uh, actually, we have several openings right now at Relevant, and we put our sales position, our advertising account executive position on ZipRecruiter, and literally within a day, got half a dozen totally qualified wow. people. Uh, They're like good people. Yeah. Like, it's Ooh, vetted. That's good for it's, me to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ZipRecruiter works. It's really true. And uh, right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Relevant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. You, you know, I heard that uh, for this album, Mumford & Sons was looking for a new stand-up <laughs> bass player who looked like an old-timey cobbler from ancient <laughs> London. <laughs> Put it out. We got a new album coming. I was hoping Boom. they were looking for like a mid-30s um, cute Christian author female. I'd sign up. I'd learn to play the bass to be in Mumford & Sons. <laughs> well, it's time for your feedback. Last week on Friday's episode, we asked you our question of the week. It was, what is your ideal daily schedule? Because we were talking about Mark Wahlberg's ideal daily schedule. We wanted to know your ideal daily schedule. You guys hit us up uh, on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here's a few of our favorites. So Jeremiah says his ideal schedule is wake up with an, while his newborn and his toddler and his wife are asleep and check Twitter to see if Relevant messaged about being listener of the week and... Then he moves on with his day and then he sends relevant another random fact and eats lunch. Anyway, here's why Jeremiah left a comment. We see you, Jeremiah. That's what we're here to say. We see you and we notice you and your schedule sounds great. If I get one more Twitter notification at 2.30 a.m. when you wake up, I swear I'm blocking you from all Jeremiah, platforms. this is your ideal schedule, man. You don't have to check Twitter. This right. is like dream big. Yeah, you're listener of the week every week in your ideal schedule. You know, I, I realized the fatal flaw in last week's question of the week because we 
we we had like an extended talk early in the episode about busyness and like how to do less and do more priority. So I'm reading all of these this stuff on Twitter. I'm like, none of these are funny. These are like this is great advice about how to. I'm like, we asked we asked that question on the wrong week. That's right. (laughs) We were joking around about Mark Wahlberg's pack schedule on a on a week that we had a very heartfelt 20 minute conversation about being spread too thin. Yeah, juggling everything. But I will read a couple of these and then I have a throwback one that. Um, but uh, Steve said uh, for him that getting things done, like for his schedule, is really about uh, the right things done based on priorities. Like, you know, which that's that's you know not doing stuff to do stuff. Uh, Scott gave a uh, uh, a great quote from Bob Goff that said, "It's easy to confuse a lot of activity with a purposeful life." There's there's like a, a good ton line. of like people that really connected with people, and you know, I think people were trying to trim down their Mark Wahlberg schedules. Um, <laughs> Hey, Mark pads it. He has plenty of time for snacks and family. I mean, he even he knows where even the priorities had a leisurely are. conversation middle of the day yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> which for most, which for him was the middle yeah, of the yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> the trim was bedtime. It's one forty-five. I'm staying up late to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Cameron, I did have uh, uh, someone wrote us on Twitter, and this is an old reference, but he 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 said that this pod he's learned so much from this listening to the podcast over the years. He said that neighborhood hooligans were shooting off fireworks late night by his house, and he remembered what to do by listening to you. He turned on his lights and stood on the porch staring at them, just like the hoodman would do, and it totally works. They stopped shooting off the fireworks. It's just awkward. If you were in a room doing something and somebody just stood at the edge in, edge of the room <laughs> so staring creepy, at yeah. you unbreakingly, you would leave the room eventually. It would just creep you no out. Question. That's what happens with hooligans. You just, <laughs> just stand there. I see you. I don't mind awkwardness. I wait for the confrontation. Let's. You want to get weird? You want to get weird doing on your porch? Let's get weird. I'm shooting one your way. Let's get weird, man. <laughs> you have no idea my awkwardness tolerance. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a lot more uh, heartfelt feedback uh, on the Twitter account if you want to go check it out. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the show, we got talking about our dear quarterback hero, Carson Wentz, <laughs> and his misguided <laughs> attempt to help what the community of Philadelphia. Um, he started his food truck for the poor and the hungry. It's great. Thy kingdom crumb. Um, it got us thinking about the worst possible Christian names for businesses. Uh, you know, every town in America has a Christian coffee house with a cringeworthy title. Um, we all, you know, probably saw the, the bad Christian pun t-shirts growing up. Um, and so we want to know the worst Christian business titles that you've seen or just thought of. Yeah. Just make them up. Come yeah. up. You you get as punny as you need to. Dad it, joke and, and I'll say this: I'll even give them leniency if it's a good pun. It doesn't necessarily like if it's like a bowling team. That's like the holy roller. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I don't care if it's not a business. We just this want is the be your shirt your best puns. We will pick the best pun and we will fully fund your business. Huh? <laughs> but that's the, <laughs> but I, but what you're talking about is exactly what Jesse said. It's like it's speed speed and uh, this like it was like name first and then yeah, he'll build the business to make yeah. that the name exist. Too good. It yeah, is that's too right. good of a we name. have to open this business. You get the right name. You don't need to worry about anything yeah. else. All yeah. we'll take care of so the money. much free time to open a new another company compared to the ones we're running. So let's do that. Yeah, yeah. brand is everything. All we need is the name, and then we'll yeah. we'll take care of the rest. We have tons of we've talked about it a lot. We all have tons of margin for that. So let's do it. 
<laughs> well, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post on this episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to the show's sponsors for making the episode possible. Remember, Samaritan Ministries, to learn more about how you can be part of this community of Christians helping each other with healthcare, visit samaritanministries.org slash relevant. And also thanks to ZipRecruiter. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash relevant. Also thanks to Elevation Worship for joining us. Their new album, Hallelujah Here Below, is out today. Uh, go check it out. It's great. Not to be confused with any other worship collectives. Many yeah. thanks to Essential Worship. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just got I just saw a notification comes in. It looks like the health department has shut down by Kingdom Crumb. Uh it's they showed up, get this pun out of here. There's no, you know, not for, for food. They the don't want great. it. They don't the want purpose it. Purpose is great. This is a violation. Yeah. Um, hey, a couple of internal updates. The new issue of Relevant is available now. It's featuring Johnny Swim, Bo Burnham, Foster the People, W. Kamal Bell, who actually, uh, I've seen him in the media lately because he's in the first few episodes of the final season of Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. Um, he travels with him. Uh, Anth- he travels with Anthony to Kenya yeah. on the uh, debut uh, episode. Uh, Francis Chan and a ton more is in the issue. We want you to check it out. So we're going to give you the Johnny Swim issue for free wow. if you go to relevantmagazine.com slash I love the podcast. And if you uh, you can't get enough Johnny Swim after you see the new issue, uh, we have some great video content that we made with them. Uh, head over to Relevant's YouTube channel or you can go to relevantmagazine.com and click on our TV and you can see a couple of their performances here in the Relevant studio. And we just posted a couple of days ago a new video we did with them, uh, the Love and Money q and I mean, they're known as one of the couple goals, you know, in our world. So we <laughs> sat down and asked them the ins and outs of their relationship. It was really funny. It's a really funny uh, video. Go check that out at our site. Hey, and also, you know, I mentioned the Love and Money podcast, uh, season two, uh, the trailer, the second trailer, it's ramping up, is out now. Go check that out on iTunes. And uh, the new season actually debuts next week. We are excited. We have a new host that we're going to be introducing, and the trailer tells you about her. Uh, Go check out the season two of the Love and Money podcast. While you're on iTunes, uh, if you like our show, head over to the relevant podcast listing on iTunes and uh, rate it and uh, leave a comment. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. But if you love the show, tell other people it helps it uh, be seen. Uh, Jesse, you've been watching. We mentioned this That's last right. week. You've been watching the comments. Uh, give us a, give us a taste of what what the buzz, the scuttlebutt. What what are the people <laughs> saying? Listen, about listen the you, show? Talk, you talked about love and money. This is a couples activity. This one says my wife and I listen to the podcast all the time and love it. It's a, so it's a couples activity. Uh, this one easily Bring my favorite easily my favorite podcast in uh, over the years. While others have come and gone, the excellence of relevance shine through as they definitely as they definitely address both current events. And the pending robot uprising. See, I, we covered it all. This one was a little backhanded. Sa- sadly, Jesse is probably my role model. Why is that sadly? You didn't need to put sadly. Like that, would, that would have been a fine review without it. So, That's really I mean, Jesse, funny. sadly, you're people's role model because, like, I saw on Twitter this week, uh, oh, yeah. Canadian Running uh, tweeted out. 
what's the worst running advice you've ever heard? And one of our listeners replied, anything that Jesse Carey has said on the relevant podcast, hashtag shock and all. Yeah. That is, uh, <laughs> you are leading a generation astray. No, we don't stretch. We eat terribly. And it's, you force your, your mind forces your body to do things that doctors say is dangerous to do. That's my advice. Just go out there and do it. No excuses. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Make sure to tune in for next Tuesday's episode of the show where we have an interview with Brandon Michael Hall, the star of the new CBS sitcom, God Friended Me, just debuted. Uh, you don't want to miss that one. It's going to be a great episode on Tuesday. Okay. Well, on the, that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm the mother asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Apparently. For listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe Carson Wentz one night was lying asleep in bed and just popped up and went, Thy Kingdom Crumb! Relevant Podcast Network.